And a one and a two and a two, three, four other random numbers. Hello. Welcome to House of Strauss on call in, folks. We are doing a little bit of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, Monday morning quarterback PR, Ryan. Uh, the other the guy on the other end is uh, Ryan Glassbeagle of the New York Post. I didn't give you a proper introduction. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I have my first national TV appearance today, and I'm buzzing from all the likes. I want to talk about that. I just watched it before this. It was uh, necessary research, and I think you acquitted yourself quite nicely. So we're going to get into that. It's on the awkward ratings collapse of these Olympics and what is causing it. I actually am not too well-versed in that as much as I am a, a ratings nerd. So I want to discuss that, but I want to kick it off with the thing that so many people in media are talking about. But I want to come at it from a different angle, Ryan, just because maybe what I've been destined to do in life is just advise possibly sociopathic people on how to survive social media controversies. It's just (laughs) hard for me not to come up with ideas, to say, oh, no, you're doing it all wrong. This is how you should do it. And this was so funny because we're watching the Joe Rogan thing play out. Maybe we can do a little expository on it. But for those who I don't know, or living under an internet rock. Uh, he is in quite the controversy before. Uh, there was an attack on him by Neil Young and Joni Mitchell saying that they would leave his platform Spotify on account of what he's been saying regarding vaccine uh, skepticism. A successful uh, attack, by the way, as you'll describe. Yes, yes. So that kicks things off, right? And so then uh, we've got vaccine misinformation, as they call it, week. And then the next week is exhuming uh, the instances of Joe Rogan saying the N-word, putting out clips of that. And that's the next thing. And that apparently drew blood because when the vaccine skepticism attack happened, Joe Rogan put out a video defending himself and pointing out the so-called misinformation that turned out to later be true and had been censored at the time, uh, only the later actually be factual. Um, and he seemed to acquit himself nicely there, but this one appeared to draw blood. He released about a five minute apology, um, about using the word and it just seems to keep on going. The CEO uh, released a statement about all the hurt it had caused. It was really ridiculous. I mean, I don't necessarily begrudge a CEO making a decision saying, I, because I don't know what happens on the inside of these organizations, right? I don't necessarily begrudge the CEO having to wrap Joe Rogan on the nose or uh, delete this episode or that episode. I kind of understand it, even if it's not how I would want things handled ideally, uh, but it was the language he used. It was very touchy-feely. It was like he was the uh, dean of a liberal arts college. It was quite pathetic. And maybe I'll even read a few excerpts of it. It was just something – it's something where if you would envision your grandchild reading it, they would look at you as somebody that they did not admire uh, from their past. But so anyway, there's a lot of sturm and draying about it. And I said to you, Ryan, that Dave Portnoy – for whatever anybody thinks about him, right, would handle this controversy better than Joe Rogan. Now, no sooner did I say that, Ryan, no sooner (laughs) did I say that, that Dave Portnoy, just for fun, as a lark, was doing a live stream with the three brothers who were running a media company that's affiliated or is a Democratic super PAC that's been attacking Joe Rogan. 
he was just doing a live stream for fun, just, you know, arguing with these three brothers, because even though he doesn't care about Joe Rogan, he thinks, I guess, that they're playing some dirty pool. And the most amazing well, they've thing... Well, atta- I think that they yeah. came up with... He believes they came up with some of previous attack videos on him. Yeah. I didn't watch this um, whole clip with them. I saw some clips of it. It, it almost doesn't, it almost doesn't matter, you know? And, and I like that. I think, yeah, people either. can just really imagine how it went. It, you know, it, it's, it was probably a little bit paint by numbers, but uh, yeah, I think that I, he did it with them because he suspected that they've smeared him too. And yes. just wants to fight against the whole practice of these super PACs censoring non-directly political media figures. Well, yeah, I, I think that's part of that's part of it. I mean, here's the thing. The reason I said it almost doesn't matter if you did watch it, because for about 16 minutes, they're just talking over one another. I find it very confusing. He's accusing them of putting out that video. They're saying that they didn't originally make the video. I find it confusing. It's just all very boring. Then at about 16 minutes, 50 seconds into this, and I'm paraphrasing here, Dave Portnoy casually says that one of the three had used the N-word in a text message conversation, and he has proof of this happening. And initially, there's a little bit of laughter and a little bit of laughter and disbelief. And Dave Portnoy says, Oh, you think I'd lie about that? And the one of the brothers says, well, yes, I do. And he goes, which one of you has a fiance named Lexi? And then you see a little bit of the panic set in. And you see the one whose fiance is named Lexi furtively look down at his phone, right? And so I exert that. I point to that. I make an example of it to say this about our current controversies. And I, I, I'm monologuing a lot, and I apologize, Ryan, but... I'm saying it to say that these are game theoretical, these controversies. We act as though it's just organic voice of the people. But no, there are actors pushing them. There are corporations pushing them. And if you approach it the way Joe Rogan, who is a nice guy, I would think nicer than Dave Portnoy, where he's just trying to be nice and open-minded and say that, you know, he doesn't have any hard feelings towards Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and everything else. It's not going to go as well as what Dave Portnoy does, because, again, this is game theoretical. Everybody's watching you and they're thinking, how easy is it to take a shot? How easy is it to pile on? Should I stab Caesar? You know, there's not going to be a cost. and I'm just going to stab Caesar. I'm just going to do it. And in the case of Dave Portnoy, he extracts a cost from you. He does. I mean, there are a lot of other things to criticize about this, and I'm not going to get into the various controversies he's been in. In in a way, his constant fighting has completely mystified whatever the hell he's been accused of to me. Uh, it just seems like he's in a never-ending controversy. But I do think at this point in media, a lot of people are scared of him. Those brothers who did this thing against Rogan, I don't think that they are happy they did it at this point. A lot of people can't take a punch like this. A lot of people don't want that kind of scrutiny. Don't want people knowing who they're. I don't know is. why they went on the show with him. No, none of Arrogance. that was what was the really the low key most fascinating aspect of the whole thing. Is usually nobody is willing to match yes. up against him 
in an audio or video setting. It happened like with like a finance Twitter guy who wound up like capitulating to him, I don't know, like a year ago or something. But it's extremely rare. Like so for the these business insider hit pieces that have been on him that have like accused him really plainly of sexual misconduct even bordering on like illegal like rape and other aspects um of the that behavior they like he he's offered um all the writers at business insider their editor um nick carlson and the site's founder henry blodgett ample opportunities to say hey let's go in a room you can ask me anything you want i'll answer everything for your story the only condition is that I'm allowed to record it and use it too. And they all decline that. Nobody is willing to fight. Like people are willing to kind of go at Portnoy guerrilla warfare style, but yeah. nobody's ever willing to like get into that inflatable pool and wrestle in the mud with him. I think if I had to posit a theory, there were three young guys, there was a bit of arrogance they felt like they were sometimes out in, uh, I was just out around the Reno area. I know some people, they've got Irish wolfhounds and the Irish wolfhounds will get together and they will bring down a coyote. You know, it's a pack. Yeah, these the brothers look like that. They've succeeded beyond their years. Maybe they've like made a lot of money in Bitcoin too or yeah. something. Like that. They, they clearly had a self-assuredness that I don't have about myself. Yeah. And their father, I guess, is a very famous lawyer and kind of a big shot. And I think they thought they were they were bringing down a coyote together. But really what they had was an absolutely vicious hyena with a, a massive bite. And he just did it ca again. It wasn't even the preliminary. It was it was nearly seven. He waited minutes 15 minutes. He, he waited. It was like rope a dope. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's insane. I mean, he's like the Joker, Ryan. It, it was like something out of the Dark Knight where he's just like, he's like, let's play well, a game. One of you said the <laughs> N-word. <laughs> well, and it really, it was like, a hyena's a really apt analogy because he said a thousand times, he doesn't care if his enemies like take him down as long as he takes them down with him. Like he, like there's that like Norm McDonald joke about um, losing a battle to cancer. And it's like, well, actually the cancer died too. So technically it was a draw. That's his <laughs> yeah. like, kind of philosophy on life. And he, he really, w whereas Rogan does not want to lose the material comforts and the mainstream status that he, he earned by building a massive audience over the last however many years since he was on Fear Factor, like between Fear Factor, the UFC, and his podcast. He yeah. doesn't want to lose that. And that's why he is capitulating. Now, it, on the first controversy, I don't think he should have capitulated in the way that he did. I think that he should have um dug his heels a little bit more there but mm -hmm. i actually you know at when i first watched it i thought he handled it well but now i've a little which, bit reconsidered which one which, which one the disinformation for... one yeah so uh, on on the um 
the latest round with with the racial stuff, you know, a lot of it, I actually believe him when he says that it was taken out of context and he was like quoting Richard Pryor or Red Fox bits and that that was wrong. But there are like kind of like degrees of how wrong it could be. But he also said something like, when he was in Philadelphia yeah, among a lot of one. black people, it was like among Planet of the Apes. And so even if I don't believe that he's like an inherently bigoted person, that's like obviously a very problematic thing to say. And I don't know like what context well, there. That's why him. you almost can't accept the premise that we should be exhuming it and analyzing it all just because there are some things he will have said that are indefensible. And that will be used against him, I guess, if you validate it uh, by accepting it as that was wrong and everything else. I think it's hard for him because he's a nice guy. I think he feels genuinely badly about saying some of those things um, or that thing in particular. And so that's why he did the apology. Um, But, you know, if we're just giving him PR advice ad hoc, which I guess is the point of this call in, he might benefit from what Jon Stewart used to do. Because John Stewart was obviously rattling some cages, uh, pissing off people in power. People were thinking highly of him. And whenever the heat got turned on John Stewart, he would say, we're on before puppets making prank phone calls. I'm just a comedian. I'm just a comedian. And I'm seeing an absence of that in at least the CEO of Spotify statements about it. I mean, that's something that I would almost emphasize because you reframe the whole discussion right now. It's about trying to take out Joe Rogan, who's been bad and said these bad things and makes people do bad things. If you reframe it as they're attacking a comedian then the people doing it just seems silly because comedians say crazy stuff. Yeah. But, and then there's the other aspect of this that doesn't get really discussed as much But there are some people who, when they're like, namely, this really feels like a left and right thing, but the people on like the, you know, right side of history who have said these awful things and done like really like racially like problematic bits tend to escape them much quicker. Like, (laughs) you know, Drew McGarry wrote like an article, basically a lot of words saying I was a shithead. Um, okay, everybody, let's clap for Drew. He acknowledged it and he evolved. Let's let him continue being very mean to people. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel has had like 45 of these things pop up from his past and none of them stick to him. The Rock, um, he was in Joe Rogan's corner for the first apology and then, um, did an about face on his apology and then everyone's like, hey, you know how you got famous? You got famous by calling people transvestites as a pejorative mm. term. And just, I mean, there are a thousand rock promos from right, the Attitude Era. I mean, our president has dropped the N-bomb right now. And I mean, not recently, but, you know, people say that and they say, well, it was many years ago. Well, once you're having that conversation, A, we're in a weird place right now where it seems like there's no distinction between the past and the present. And these things Joe Rogan said years ago, it's like he just said them, but it seems arbitrary to what you're saying that if we like you and you're in good, and if you're in good with power, then we will excuse it. And if we don't, we will use it as a tool. And it's something I've said before that people hide within the taboos of our age to do whatever they want to do. 
sociopaths use these taboos. And I do think we're seeing that. I don't oh, think absolutely. it's, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say, look at Amazon putting, uh, Neil Young and Joni Mitchell on their front page as Sagar and Jetty pointed out. And then you see the Washington Post attacking Rogan and saying, Hey, here's how you take your, your music and transfer it to a new service. I don't know, maybe like Amazon Music, you know, the Washington Post, which is run <laughs> to by say? Jeff Bezos, right, has a competing uh, competing platform. And they're also full of shit. And it's why even though in your personal life, you should apologize for wrongdoings. Unfortunately, when you do that in this situation, you're just giving more fodder to your enemies who aren't really mad, who don't really give a shit. And they're just using this as a tool to bash you. Yeah, uh, the you know the thing is, is I thought for a while, okay, Rogan is like in a way protecting his money because no what no other platform can pony up what Spotify is paying him with nine figures. But then Rumble came through with a hundred million dollar for four year offer for him to take his talents there. So it's not a money thing. Um, in terms of like what he stands to lose. Now, I will give Spotify some credit as cringe as like their letter was for saying we're not going to cancel him because canceling him really doesn't do anybody any good. Like Spotify would be on the hook for the amount of guaranteed money that, that he they gave him and then he would just move his audience somewhere else to one of their competitors because everything in this world is competing with everything else for the minutes of our attention and so if you're just taking whatever however many millions of minutes people listen to joe rogan on spotify and gift wrapping them to rumble you're not like he's not actually canceled. It's just a game of whack-a-mole and he's through another hole. Yeah, I think that's true. I just don't understand why this is a whole other conversation as to why the corporate patois right now, or I shouldn't even say corporate, any prestigious institution is just so maudlin and they talk to you like you're a kindergarten student and they act as though your entire life has been wrecked by some comedian uh, high off his ass saying something. And I think that it's revealing of a civilization in decline, I have to say, not to read too much into it. But that is my that is my conclusion. Number one, and I guess number two, just to say, for years I have said uh, that the proper PR strategy with these is something I call dad. D-A-D-D, don't apologize, double down. But I really think that I almost need uh, some sort of uh, augmentation to that, an amendment to it, because Portnoy, I wonder if we're just going to see more of this where people are going to understand the game and see it clearly. I wonder if Joe Rogan sees it clearly. I mean, this is his issue. Well, it depends what your goals are. Like, Portnoy would not care. Like, he would sign up right now to have his net worth go to zero if that also happened for Henry Blodgett, Nick Carlson, and Julia Black. Like, he would sign that deal. You need somebody who's willing to be a kamikaze. For, like, and people have different... I think I disagree with you. I think Portnoy is almost 
too much attack mode all the time, and that's why he's always in the controversy and he loves being at war. It doesn't take a lot of imagination to draw a parallel to him and the last president. Um, I think <laughs> somebody could be more strategic with this. They wouldn't have to have the love of the fight and the uh, indiscreet shot selection of a Portnoy. Well, if he's never yeah. gone bust like Trump did with Atlantic City. And so... <laughs> Um, maybe like the operative word for there is yet, but so far he's the roadrunner. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on the idea that I'm with you on the idea that he hasn't failed, but I also think that most people in the public eye could never even just withstand emotionally what he subjects himself to gleefully. I do think there's another pathway, which is just targeting your enemies, naming them and going after them, especially if you have the leverage and the big platform Joe Rogan does. I mean, this is part of it where if you're as popular oh, as... He could pull so many people away from Spotify. He could really hurt I, I, the amount of people who you... Like, if he launched a delete Spotify campaign... Mm. I think it would be very effective. Well, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about how you have minions in your army reputationally. And I'm not saying this is ethical, but Portnoy's got his stoolies. They're going to jump into the life of this guy uh, and his fiance and everything else. And that's what's going to happen. I'm not saying it's right, but that's what's going to happen. And maybe that would feel, I don't know, not great if you're Rogan and you're attacking your enemies and your fans attack them. But that is again, part of the game theory of whether somebody is going to stab Caesar. Uh, you know what got- another thing is? is yeah. Like, there's a huge differentiation between people, and I'll count myself among them, who just live so much of their life online, and mm. then people who spend a lot more time offline than online. And frankly, that other group of people seems a lot happier um, they're probably by and large oblivious to everything that we're talking about. Yeah, I think so. Although Joe Rogan is such an interesting case because he's a bit of a normie whisperer. Uh, so often when I was on the road covering NBA games, I would hop in an Uber and it was the Joe Rogan experience uh, playing in the car. So I don't know. I mean, this one might be a little bit bigger than the standard bullshit internet controversy. Um, But we should take a question. And if anybody else wants to ask questions, by all means, hop in. We've got Sean. Sean on our, uh, you know, people talking about the PR of people podcast. Hey, Sean. (laughs) Hey, how's it going, fellas? Hi. Um, I wanted to build off what you just said a moment ago, Ethan, where you said they talk to us like kids, these, you know, major tech companies. And that's something that's really kind of like irritated me for the last few years, because you're right. They really talk to us as if, you know, God forbid we hear someone say something that might ruffle our feathers a bit. And the thing that really stood out in the uh, Spotify CEO's statement was the portion where he talked about balancing whatever it was, uh, speech with, quote, user safety. Yes. When I saw, and when I saw that, I was just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. You know, it's like. Come on. Um, I mean, the I just, first set, that, that is the most egregious sentence, but just the first sentence is insane. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. Oh, right I don't remember that Spotify team. There are no words I can say to <laughs> adequately convey how deeply sorry, sorry I am for the way the Joe Rogan experience controversy continues to impact each of you. I mean, By the way, like, <laughs> um, he's apologizing things that were out there as a matter of public record when he acquired this show. Yes, um, yes. 
So right. it was like it for him to be stunned by something that exists on a platform that he bought. Um, I mean, I don't know. D- did nobody really like when when they decided to <laughs> have nine figures spent on this asset? Did nobody go back and listen to the archives? I mean, there are no words to adequately convey how shitty their research was before they <laughs> did this decision. But Sean, we cut you off. What were you going to say? No, I, I think Ryan, Ryan really spoke to what I was thinking, which is like, of course they knew this going in. I mean, that's part of the reason he's appealing, right? Is because he says stuff that most people won't say. And they knew that when they signed the contract. So that's obvious. But the uh, question I had for both you fellows was... Wait, wait, what's going to happen? All right, I don't actually. Go, I'm sorry, I interrupted. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. I'm going to self censor. Go ahead, Sean. <laughs> well, I don't want it. I want you to. I want to hear it now. Um, okay, I'm going to get. I might get a nasty email about this, but um, what are they going to say if they di- if they discover what Bill Simmons used to write about women's sports? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It's been a question you see every every now and then on the Bill Simmons subreddit, which I may or may not be on. Oh man! Well, let's just keep we we like Bill over here. We'll try to keep. I like that Bill. One I not. I don't want to bash him. He's acknowledged that what he wrote before was wrong, just as Joe Rogan is doing. I don't want him canceled over those things that he wrote. But if they ever discover them, Daniel Ack might have to write another letter. If we're in this insane premise where everything in the past is of the present and we have to act like it is, then yes. But Sean, you were going to say. Well, real quick then off that, though, I mean, it kind of goes to what Ryan was saying a few minutes ago about, you know, Drew McGarry, who I used to enjoy. And then he just kind of became like a parody of himself. Um, You know, he got ahead of it by, you know, kind of giving himself his own like little lashing in front of everyone. But it's is that essentially what everyone has to do at this point? And then we kind of pick and choose like who gets away with it at this point. It just always seems so arbitrary. Um, yeah. But the, the the question I had for you fellows was is like, are, do you feel like this is just going to get progressively worse? This whole user safety thing of people always apologizing for things that have been out there in the open for a long time, or is there something like down the line that could actually make us kind of like you know jar us free of this lunacy? Ooh, I think Ryan's got a theory on that. There's going to be just two lanes for everything. Um, So right now, it's like dominated by the Apples, Amazons, etc. of the world. And so you there's, this is like um, a microcosm of what's going to happen. But Gina Carano got kicked out of Mandalorian for having some like wrong think view that I don't even remember what it was right now. And so... Ben Shapiro at Daily Wire scoops her up and they're going to build a conservative movie uh, movie studio that makes movies for the half of the country that aren't getting marketed to. And so there's going to be like a separate GoFundMe. There's going to be separate Twitter. And and one side is going to look like it is now and then one side is going to be a total free-for-all, and that may not necessarily be better, but it's just going to continue fragmenting where people don't engage with people outside of their hives. I'm with all that. Um, I also think it's, it's just a threat to the bundling of things, and we'll take a question soon, but 
The issue Spotify has is that they've married music to podcasts slash comedy. And I don't know how they avoid this happening in the future. Anybody who's funny is going to say some pretty raunchy and risque shit. And then you're going to have some midwit pop star uh, make a big fuss over it and threaten to leave, which then threatens a preference cascade among midwit pop stars. So I don't know what Spotify does to guard against that. It just seems as though if they're in podcast slash comedy and in music, that's almost like being on two skis that are drifting in opposite directions. So it's going to be tough. But let's take the next question from Ben. Ben, Ben, Ben. Yo. Hey. Hi. Um, this whole thing makes me think of a lot of uh, what your former colleague, uh, well, I guess he never was your colleague. Well, no, he was your colleague, Big Waz. Uh, oh, yeah, he was. He was at The Athletic. I, I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> I was remembering ESPN days. But it makes me think a lot of what him and uh, Nando Vila say about how so much of politics is just – people just have no control about about pol- over their own politics anymore. Mm. You know, we have no say in the government. Basically, the same two parties, you know, flips every, you know, whatever, whatever. You know, the, the laws never change, you know, yada, yada, yeah. yada. And so these culture war things is where everything is coming down to it. You know, it's all what's happening is in the culture war. And uh, I don't know, I may miss you talking about, because I heard you mention Sagar and Jetty, but Crystal Ball had a had a segment today about how the Joe Rogan argument is all anti-politics, how it's all fighting over Spotify is like mm-hmm. just completely um, just talking about these tech. It's exactly what they want because the people in power just get to keep doing their own thing uh, while everyone just fights over the content that people talk about as if humans can't listen to things and then make decisions like it's it's just crazy well, how big, removed we are from reality the big irony of what you're saying is that like politics it's also offering the illusion of control even on the thing that is uh silly and novelty because it's just a proxy war for these major corporations whether it's uh hedge funds uh shorting spotify stock or it's competing businesses like Bezos's Amazon Music, and they're astroturfing this whole thing into existence. So when people are fighting over it, they're doing it under the illusion that they're somehow part of a conversation that they're not actually dictating. And so in a way, it's analogous to uh, a political situation where it feels like you have control and you're full of fervor, but in the end, you're just getting fucked no matter what. So that's a good thought. I want to take a take a question from Yossarian just because I mean I always make reference to the name but I think about it more and more uh, in the times we're living in when we're constantly told and hey there might be some hope actually some restrictions are being rescinded on the whole COVID thing so maybe maybe we will get to quit the uh, dog fighting for a bit Yossarian (laughs) Yossarian are you there? Uh, I think I did it yes uh Good to talk to you as always, Ethan and Ryan. Um, just, just as a, I, I had to duck out of. I think your last one, we were talking about the Stan Van Gundy thing because I needed to help my daughter with her some stuff. But um, that was good, and that comes first. But uh, your your piece on Van Gundy and then on Clay Travis, I thought were so good that that they motivated me to sign up for your Substack. So. Ah, thanks. Yay! Well, 
keep putting out great content like that. And <laughs> anybody who's listening who hasn't signed up yet, I would encourage you to do so. It's some, it's some really good stuff. And I mean, sports. Ethan's is, date night this weekend is on Yosarian. <laughs> <laughs> Nine bucks, buddy. Go nuts. Woo! Going crazy with it. <laughs> um, and there's so much. I mean, the Rogan thing and then the Olympics. And you guys haven't even gotten to the Olympics yet. And God, the, like the, the whole <laughs> swath of thoughts I have on that. But just. Real quick on the Rogan thing. I mean, I've I've agreed with pretty much everything you and, and other people have said, but it's like there's this concept. I mean, it's actually written in the Constitution that there's no ex post facto laws, right? You can't change the law after the fact to criminalize something somebody already did that was legal when they did it. And sh- shouldn't we have a similar concept in terms of, of cultural issues? Like the, the use mentioned distinction of racial epithets has been around for years and years and years. And John McWhorter, you know, talks about this all the time. And so it's one thing, obviously, to use a racial epithet against another person. I mean, that's, you know, inexcusable. But to just say the word, I mean, obviously, I'm going to some pains to avoid saying it because now it has this sort of totemic taboo power. And then, you know, there's a whole rabbit hole you could go down and my whole take on this and pivoting off of John McWhorter and Wes Yang, I really think this whole social justice thing really is a functional religion. And now it has its, its taboos, right? And that's, that's one of the taboos, but just this, you know, the insincerity of it. And the the fact is there are people, there are Americans who within living memory lived under Jim Crow, black Americans, African Americans who lived under Jim Crow and who suffered, um, you know, the kinds of discrimination that we can only dream about and who had that, that word used on them on a regular basis, on a day-to-day basis and in, 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 in a way that was motivated by animus. Mm. And so now for people in, in 2022 to just fall to pieces by the, the, it's very utterance is like, it's, it's so lacking in any sort of context or, um, well, it, it just feels like everybody is reacting based on, I'm trying to even find the right words for it, but it's like nobody's acting genuinely and maybe they are, maybe I'm being unfair, but I I feel that way sometimes where it's as though people are acting in the way they think they're expected to act, but nobody is actually angry except for the easily programmable midwits like Stan Van Gundy who just get their news takes delivered to them every morning. And in fact, they're the greatest geniuses of all because we're all very angsty and frustrated and they have clarity. I don't even know what I'm saying at this point, but yeah, I feel as though it's very insincere as you say. Um, and we're all being insincere simultaneously when we join these stupid ex post facto outrage mobs, the mobs of the exhumed content. So yeah. wait, what, what, um, I wonder this, what, like, let's say you're genuinely horrified by what Joe Rogan did. What should the punishment be? Should he go to jail? He should be like, forced to take the COVID vaccine. That is the punishment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wheeled in like, like former. Hannibal Lecter, like something between Hannibal Lecter and a clockwork orange. He can't move. He's squirming. And they, uh, like a lethal injection, put the vaccine needle in him as his punishment. That's the only, I mean, look, I think that's the only way to rectify the situation. Yeah. So it's like, if you don't like, like so people who commit crimes, you get prosecuted and then you go to jail 
and it's adjudicated. But with all of these like culture crimes, especially when they're committed by the people who are wrong, like when it's like committed by Joe Rogan instead of Jimmy Kimmel, it's like an indefinite sentence that there's nothing that you can do to escape. And so I just, there these like, it's just very uncomfortable to live in a world where like Salem witch trials can have like a mark on your permanent record. Yeah. It's uh, not healthy. I don't understand why we've all accepted the premise. And maybe if you come up with a conflict based theory on it, it's because it advantages powerful people to always have some sort of material that can be used to take somebody out but it does seem like we should all lay down arms and accept the premise that things we said from years ago should not be treated as though we just said them. And we are descending into just being a fundamentally silly culture, having these kinds of fights and apologies and atonements um, versus doing the work of actually improving society and civilization. So thank you for that. Usarian. Um, before we take the next question from Yu Ying, I know that Yu Ying likes some of the uh, the ratings talk. Ryan, do you have uh, do you want to recapitulate anything you said in your, your your big TV you know your big TV appearance? Do you want to talk at all about the Olympics and the tremendous drop in viewership? Contextualize it for the people. Uh, yeah, sure. Now that you mention it, I'll go in, in fifteen seconds. Go. Oh, it's going to take longer than that. Um, this is a the, the viewership's stuff. really bad, and China's the biggest part of it. That is me summarizing your TV hit. Okay, fine. It could do it in 15 <laughs> seconds. But um, the, yeah, so it's down like 40% from 2018. A bunch of the excuses, it's kind of like, like, I don't know. I don't even know if it's Olympics fans, but the excuses seem like NBA people who are like defending ratings drops where it's like, Mm. it's in Asia. Well, 2018 was in Asia. No one cares about these sports. Did they switch the sports out from four years ago? Are there one, are there Olympic sports that happened then that aren't happening now besides hockey? No, men's hockey. Um, and so it, I think it's there's a pie chart, and it's at least half China. After my TV spot, someone sent me a Gallup poll that says 79% of people hold an unfavorable view of China now, which is astounding. Yeah. Like, you can't get four out of five Americans to agree on anything in this it state age, the but they agree biggest, on that. The biggest chasm between elite opinion and public opinion, I think, is on this issue. But you were saying. Yeah. And so there's it's multifaceted with China. First of all, um, you know, the biggest thing with the normies, as you call them, mm-hmm. is that they created COVID in a lab and then covered it up, probably, <laughs> with funding from our government. Definitely. And so all the bullshit that we've had to endure the last two years could have been stopped if they could have contained this virus or been more honest about it sooner. And so you think about like what that's cost us. And 
from everything from people losing their small businesses to people losing loved ones to our kids having to wear masks indefinitely to not being able to eat at a restaurant when you want to eat at a restaurant to sports going on pause for like five or six months and then coming back with no fans for almost the rest of a year. All that stuff is because of them. And then we they have these games in China and you have to endure like Savannah Guthrie telling you how great they are. <laughs> and just nobody wants that. So yeah. go ahead. No, yeah, I agree. And I just think it's also muddled. There's a little bit of uh, vagueness to the whole thing where I think if you're barely following you're going, wait, are we boycotting? I hear about diplomatic boycotts. Are we, are we like in this or, and wait, should I be watching this with the pride of, uh, you know, Jesse Owens going up against Hitler? Is that my mentality? Well, nobody from NBC is really selling me on that idea. They're not really saying that we're going up against China. Instead, it seems like NBC kind of likes China. Uh, the whole thing is just very confusing and gross. And I, I have to say, it's not doing a lot for China's world reputation. Uh, I think you mentioned there was um, some sort of ski jump or ski route, and it looked like it was going through Three Mile Island. Uh, it, it's not a great look in Olympics either. The whole thing is a disaster. And there's no fans in the stands. The um, You know, we realized with first the NBA bubble, then with baseball, then with football, we didn't know it before the pandemic happened and there were no fans there, but the fans are a gigantic part of the television presentation of sports between the sound yeah. that they create, the joy, the like despair. It, it, they're as big of stars as anybody there. Maybe not as big as like Tom Brady, but it, it's an incredibly important component of the broadcast. And having fans there going crazy or getting like really sad when something doesn't go their way is a big part of what makes it look like what you're watching has meaningful stakes. And so that's enormously important. And then we haven't gotten to like China's like egregious human rights violations on top of COVID. They, um, the, the Uyghur population has been undergoing like rapes, forced sterilizations, slave labor, and like to the point where I, I don't think it's in dispute as much as China will dispute it by like sending a Uyghur out there to light the torch or saying that it's not true. And, and this is a um, false allegation from Western society that seeks to discredit them. It just, um, it's not disputed. And we've all read, I don't know if we've all read, but I've read firsthand accounts of women who escaped it. And so, you know, going there in the Olympics are supposed to be like a celebration of joy and competition of everybody around the world. There's nobody there and it's in like the last place in the world it should be. Yeah. It's it's incredible that it's there. And the other added element to it, not that people are thinking this way, is that NBC is run by a corporation with billions of dollars of concerns in China, which influences the kind of coverage you get. Um, they have those Universal Studios theme parks in China, for instance. And so yeah, the whole thing... And 
yeah, the whole thing just feels grotesque. I, I've talked about it. Eric Schwartzel's just written a great book about Hollywood uh, teaming up with China and how that all went down. But there's almost a feeling of a loss of sovereignty where you see that and you see that the people showing you are corrupted and are unwilling to uh, criticize the country in a way that they don't do for your country. It's very odd. But you Yang, you Yang, you've been patient. You've been waiting. We want your questions, sir. Let's call you up. Make you the next caller. You Hello, Yang, guys. are you there, buddy? Hello. I am here. Hey. Thank you. Thank you always. And uh, I'll be as quick as possible with my points and questions. Uh, definitely. For, um, I actually tried to Google Ryan's uh, TV appearance on on uh, on, um, on YouTube, but I couldn't find it. So hopefully they'll post it sometime over the. I it's on my Twitter. It. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I'll check. Yeah. You know, I don't do Twitter, but I will check it just to see that interview because I really want to check it out. Um, and um, so this is my question, actually. Um, oh, actually, yeah, so my question. So, so a lot of this with discussion is about like apologies, right? We see that all the time now, especially mm. cancel culture. And then what happens? When people apologize. No, China is not. the Dave Portnoy of the yeah. world. Yes, yeah, exactly, saying. exactly, exactly, exactly. So my, this is my first question. I got two quick questions. First question is, um, you know, you always, I always see that America is a very forgiving country. Do you think, do you think that that's still true? Because I don't think it's mm. true anymore because people don't accept their apologies anymore. The second question is about kind of the gender issue. Um, you guys both wrote great articles about this. So what is the solution? Should they just put the, not put, but should trans athletes play um in their in the biological sex or the gender identity they identify with or should they have like a third category like just trans athletes those are my questions and that's it thank you guys um i think if you're a biological female i have no issue with them competing against males if i were the commissioner of ncaa i would say that um that Leah Thomas would not be a, a permitted to compete against women. Um, she could compete against men or to your point, a third category, but I don't know how um, deep a uh, field that third category is going to be. Yeah. So it would be pretty lonely in the pool. And so I, it's really tough. Um, I want to be sensitive to people's feelings, but it, it comes down to, to me, freedom from and freedom to. And so my underlying philosophy of everything is you should have the freedom to do basically whatever you want if it doesn't infringe on others' pursuit of happiness. I think that Leah Thomas competing against women infringes on the rights of biological women to compete on a level playing field. That's an interesting point that uh, it's rights of the many versus rights of the few. I mean, in theory, uh, in theory, my position on this is that you should compete against your uh, your biological sex. Uh, but then there's the curious part of me that just might want to see it play out and just see what happens. So there's that as well, just as somebody who is watching uh, for the sake of the news coverage and for the sake yeah, of the So, fact. I mean, like, what if, what if somebody who is, like, the 500th best college basketball player in the country, that's someone who's very good. If we played in a gym against yeah. him, he would kick the shit out of us. Yeah, but you would be better than every WNBA player, which you're not supposed to say, but everybody knows. Yeah, so you you're the part the curiosity part of you wants to see that. 
the curiosity, maybe once, I wouldn't want to see it again and again, right? I wouldn't want to see it game after game. But the one game, the one game, I might want to actually see it. Um, I am not a libertarian uh, on stuff like this. I do think that rules and distinctions uh, need to be upheld. But there is an irony to it, which is that it seems like uh, a lot of men, especially men on the right, are interested in protecting the sanctity of these sports that they have no interest in. Um, I'm not saying they're wrong to do so. What if, what if there was a rule, if you're a biological man and you compete against women, you're allowed to compete if you chop off your male parts. I feel like we're going to get Rogan, Ryan. I mean, this is years from now when we both have highfalutin exec uh, positions somewhere. This is going to be exhumed and it's going to be used against us. Although, I'm asking a hypothetical question. I wasn't saying... I mean, Rogan thought he was asking hypotheticals, Ryan. You know, he thought that. No, I Look, I, I have no idea. I think that I think that the old rules are probably the best way to go. Call it a conservative impulse, but that's that's what I think. Otherwise, I, I don't want to like sound like I'm poking fun at this. Like I feel very sensitive to Leah Thomas's like wishes and feelings, but I don't mm. think that um, what she wants is for the greater good. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, let's take a question from O. Oh, oh, are you there, Oh? It's a very mystifying avatar that O has. Yo, I'm here, sorry. Hey. Um, I just wanted to talk about the Joe Rogan Spotify thing briefly. I actually am an artist who has their music on Spotify. Oh. And uh, I find these artists who are, like, taking their music off the platform to just be so disingenuous, like, Spotify has just completely fucked artists in terms of like how they pay them. They may as well be paying us nothing. Like that's how little they pay. And then to get all up in arms about a freaking podcast, it just like baffles the mind. Um, And then with Joe Rogan, I I really love your um, saying, Ethan, don't apologize, double down. I really feel like you should have done it that way because the apologize, the apology that people demand it satisfies no one, you know, the yeah. people say, oh, he needs to apologize. He needs to apologize. And so he gives this half-assed apology, which I didn't even think was his real thoughts. Like <clears throat> in my mind, his real thoughts would have been, it's my podcast. I'm allowed to think whatever I want. You know, I'm wrong about some things, whatever, who cares? Um, I've built this empire and this is how I'm doing it. And instead he gives this kind of half-assed apology that just, I feel like satisfies no one. And where does it get him? It just like gets you further down the rabbit hole of, oh, what else has he done in his life that we can dig up and try and discredit well, him you for? Don't, what you don't want to do, and Clay Travis has talked about Charles Barkley saying this to him and having it stick with him, is you can't, um, you don't want to alienate your fans yes. to pick up fans, quote unquote, who don't like you. Um you, you you have to play to your audience. But I actually, I do think he feels genuinely bad about the the racial components of it. And so well, it's By very... the way, he, he stopped dropping the M-bomb. I know nobody wants to give him credit for such a thing because he has transgressed morally, but he stopped doing it years ago. So it seems like it was a practice that he thought about, reconsidered, 
and and went another direction on, which, you know, isn't part of this conversation. And now we're just deciding to punish him on the basis of something he no longer does. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's a good point. Yeah, I but yes, you don't you don't satisfy anybody. Uh, the uh, Eck, uh, Daniel Eck, his apology satisfied nobody. All the maudlin, uh, completely embarrassing uh, patois uh, that he was using. That what uh, does maudlin mean? You've used that four times. I don't know uh, what kind it of treacly, overly emotional. You know, maybe I could say saccharine. Uh, that could be another mm-hmm. one. Yeah, maudlin, treacly, saccharine, whatever you want to use it. I'm trying to come up with more synonyms, get into SAT mode. Um, but that that sort of thing, uh, the crocodile tears, if you will, uh, just I, for some reason, it just bothers me. It seems it seems Maoist, just people putting on these extravagant displays of emotion for the crowd that they don't believe at all. And, you know, in a way, I'm glad that it doesn't work. I'm glad that this satisfies nobody. I'm glad there isn't a large cohort that says, hey, Daniel Eck, he's our guy, because people need to stop doing this. Show some firm leadership. I don't know. Maybe say that we're taking some Joe Rogan episodes down because it doesn't serve his purpose and they're old episodes and we're moving forward and that's what we're doing. But this kind of highly emotive leadership is just something I feel like nobody actually wants, even though we're getting it in droves. So anyway, let's take a, let's take a call. Thank you so much. Oh, Let's take a, another call. Let's see if I can actually use this technology properly as I use that voice, the next caller voice, the listing voice. Alon, are you there? Are you there, sir? Wow, Ethan, you pronounced my name the, the right the first time. Amazing. Oh, wow. I was just luck. How you doing, man? Very well. Thank you. I appreciate uh, you guys bringing me onto the show. No problem. What's up? So, I mean, I, I love the analogy you made about, uh, you know, uh, China being like Joe Rogan. <laughs> I think Dave Portnoy. I don't know. Oh, sorry, like, what is the Joe Rogan country? Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so Port- you're right. It was Dave Portnoy. And, uh, you, you know, I, I love it. But, you know, it's, it's a shame for me in Canada because I feel like uh, Justin Trudeau took the Dave Portnoy approach and he's mm. doubled down on what he's doing. <laughs> and he's trying to bring the military and the police and uh, holy moly, this guy's like, like this guy's tripling down. I don't even know. He's like day four million on crack right now. I assume you're talking about the trucker situation, is what you're referring you, to. You, you got it, a hundred percent. It's uh, <laughs> the wow. the I mean, double down defense only works if you're inherently in the right. If you are, and it also only works when the power dynamics are against, against you. you. And, and, yeah. and, and tends to work better when you're not up against um, a proletariat army that is uh, sequenced at a central node of your economy. That's another thing. That's a bit of an issue. I mean, that's the thing I find most fascinating about the trucker situation. And I'm not going to claim to know things I don't know about it. But it reveals a little something, which is that a bunch of working class people, non-college educated, collectively have the power to just shut down the economy. I mean, that's that's yeah. Imagine if thing. we had one of those here. I mean, and then the other, like the other thing, like why you feel for these people is they've been told for a while now that they're inevitably going to be replaced by machines. But guess what? Those machines aren't here yet. And so they have to use their leverage while they've got it. 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah, you know, technocrats, you should have moved on that one a bit quicker because right now uh, they've got you by the short hairs, it would seem, and it is fascinating to watch it all play out. I wish I could trust more news sources. It seems like it's hard to get a real uh, objective take on what's going on up there, but the revelation that people who have been kind of dismissed as of the past and maybe viewed with contempt by powerful people uh, that no, they actually uh, have a tremendous amount of power and are almost going around democracy to try to get what they want. I don't even say that with judgment. I just say that with observation that they're saying, no, we're not waiting to have an election. You're taking away these mandates and these requirements now, or it's not going to be a great situation. I mean, it's, it's yeah, just fascinating to see it play out everywhere because like, you know, some of the like countries in Europe that we always point to, oh, look at their healthcare system, look how smart their government is. They are taking away all of these mandates now. And it, it's not even just like truckers. I saw this video today of a high school outside of Chicago. So this like basically Illinois is one of these states where um, like the cosmopolitan interests of chicago are in um opposition with kind of like the downstate part of the state and so this conservative downstate judge like struck down the mask mandate in schools and i think pretty plainly made it so that schools can't impose mask mandates but of course there were districts that um kept them anyway and said no we can keep them we're keeping them so there was this suburban high school in chicago where I they were the told you have to you have to wear your masks or you have to leave and there was just a flooding mass exodus out the doors and so it's not just like truckers and it's not just bumpkins it is like the popular belief right now in america is we're done with this stuff yeah and it's interesting to see mass movements happen without a lot of media help and with media actually running interference uh in the other direction and i guess what we'll close on tonight and thank you uh so much for the question uh what we'll close on tonight is apparently donald trump just released a statement about joe rogan ryan (laughs) oh my god what did it say (laughs) <laughs> statement by donald j trump 45th Wait, president can i guess it first yeah 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 this is a good game this is a good okay. game okay um joe rogan surrendered to the weak left and he never should have done that uh, you know not not too far off uh joe rogan is an interesting and popular guy but he's got to stop apologizing to the fake news and radical left <laughs> maniacs and lunatics how many ways can you say you're sorry? Joe, just go about what you do so well and don't let them make you look weak and frightened. That's not you and it never will be. <laughs> Exclamation point. Um, I used to play this game on a text thread with people <laughs> on his tweets. I'm like, whether he wrote them or whether his comms team wrote them, he definitely wrote that one. Yeah, that that's him. And it's perfect. It's just, it's so perfect because... Uh, <laughs> He's almost calling him the thing he says he's not. Just the the incoherence of the whole thing. Um, You know what? Here's the take. Uh, I don't enjoy having Trump in the news cycle all the time. I don't think that he should be president of the United States. And I don't favor banning him from social media. But at the same time, 
I feel like I get just the right amount of Trump now. I, I get just the right amount, like just enough. It's, to, to, you to know, it's it. going to um, ramp up though from here, and that it, it's tough that it's it's in your goals are incongruent though of having mm. him out of the news cycle but not banned from social media because if he's there then it's all anybody's going to talk about because he's no i i I realize i realize that my goals are incongruous and they are intention you know i'm just saying ideologically as somebody who likes free speech i am against the banning him from the social media platforms but the resulting bans or the bans have resulted in a situation where Hey, a little bit of salt on your steak makes the steak taste good. A whole pillar of salt will actually kill you and ruins the steak. I feel like I'm just getting a little bit of Trump seasoning with these uh, ridiculous uh, statements that he puts out. And we get to guess what they are. Yeah, I I just, you know, I would very much like him not to be the Republican nominee for president. Um, Oh, God. Can you imagine anything more dreary than another Trump versus Biden? Is a disaster scenario. Oh God! Yeah, it's what, like uh, what do you you know? Remember when people were like, "I'm gonna move to another country if like George W. Bush gets reelected or whatever." I'm not. I'm not gonna go all the way with that threat, but I'd have to think about it if we get Trump versus Hillary. Like just pulling my family to somewhere else for like the Truckistan is where we're gonna go out there in Ottawa, um, in the hinterlands. Beyond Ottawa, maybe. Where, I mean, look, you, can we? Is Sweden taking people in for eight months? Like, I mean, you can hide. I, I'll end on this. It's interesting that you can just go places in this country and be in a totally different country. I was over the weekend in the Tahoe area, which you wouldn't think would be culturally that different from the Bay Area, but so different. And it was like it was 2019, and there were no masks and none in the restaurants, and it was just very strange. So I think you could find a pocket of America that might be hiding out from the election, theoretically. <laughs> well, uh, I've done that a few few weekends. Like, I went to Green Bay a few weeks ago, as I talked about. St. Louis had a mask mandate. I went there for the Royal Rumble. 90% of the people were not wearing masks. And so it, what we're seeing is this isn't what a country where you can just order the people things from the top forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's a little bit inspiring. I'm just doing a quick, quick check to make sure that the Trump thing is actually, you know what? We're not even checking it. That was, that was fucking Donald Trump. I, if, you know, it had to Donald be, Trump. if it wasn't, someone did a great job. Someone did an incredible job. The most amazing job, the most beautiful job. Ryan, Thanks so much for doing this. I think this was a firecracker of an episode. Thanks to all of you who called in and asked questions. And thanks to all of you who listened. And additionally, thanks to those of you who have subscribed. The subscriber numbers are going up on the old House of Strauss. I'm planning uh, to give you more great content. So, good night. Until next time, folks. Bye, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening.